This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Welcome to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, as always, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? Doing good, Ryan. Ready to go in. And Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? Put me in, coach. Put me in. (laughs) All right, we have a really great show for you tonight. If you've never listened before, this is a Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, we're going to cover some news. So they got a mailbag. We'll cover the running backs tonight in our position weekly position breakdowns. But first, Matt, you wanted to talk to the folks uh, listening about something you're pretty excited about. So take it away, Matt. Yeah, man, we got this the TTU Fantasy Football League. Obviously, we're in June right now, and that's not for a little while ahead. But um, just want to go over some things. It's it's strictly for bragging rights. We're not doing any money involved. We all have money leagues that we're in, and this is strictly bragging rights for the for the TTU uh, group page. Just a little tidbits on it. We we're going to be playing it on ESPN.com. It's got an easy app. You're able to draft from any device: your phone, iPad, whatever you got, your computer doesn't matter. Real quick, it's a pretty standard league. Uh, half a point PPR. You're going to have one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, one flex, a defense, and a kicker. We're going to have six bench spots. There's going to be a total of 14 teams. And uh, the members so far that have already committed, you're going to have all three of us, Matt, Ryan, and Glenn. So that's 11 spots already filled. We need three more to make 14. Um, so if you guys are interested, get on the group page. Uh, contact Matt Bird. Matt Bird's going to actually be running it. Contact Matt Bird, B-Y-R-D, if you're interested. And uh, all we ask is that you, you set a lineup each week. You're competitive. And it's all for fun, man. Strictly bra- bragging rights. So get get with Matt Bird. Get on there. And let's let's fill this league up. Ed, get a chance to lose to me this year in fantasy football. It would be a really great opportunity for everybody out there. We're going to head into... The two, uh, two-tone mailbag here. We got a lot this week. And speaking of fantasy football, Matt, the first question here sent in by Art Urias is, which Titans player or players will have the most fantasy football value for this upcoming season? Well, obviously, you got Delaney Walker. He's definitely the most valuable uh, Titan as far as fantasy football goes and maybe even in, in real life as well, other than maybe Mariota. It's, the irony of the situation with this league is we're all Titans fans, and I know in, in, in past uh, leagues and years, I'm the only Titans fan in any in any grouping I'm in. So I kind of know who to look out for as far as late-round sleepers. Um, in this case, with everybody being a Titans fan, it's, it's going to be a little bit harder to pick out our sleeper players. Kendall Wright has some upside, but I think the real late-round sleeper, and I don't know how late it'll be, uh, but I, I really like Rashard Matthews this year. That's an interesting uh, pick there. As far as by position goes, I don't know that Walker will end up being as much. He's already said he expects to have a few less catches this year. It's been a little bit more time blocking and the more ground-based attack. Mariota in a 14-team league could have some value. I think he's going to be in the top 14 as a quarterback goes. As far as by position goes, I think our top spot may actually be our defense, which is funny because most defenses there's not a lot of difference in. But I think our defense could be, by position, one of the more valuable fantasy groups uh, just based on a second year with Dick LeBeau. He's running the whole show now. It really looks like things are probably going to come together for us. So I'm going to go with defense based just on a by position scale, not necessarily going to score you the most points but for a defense, they could be up there in the top group. Yeah, one I'm going to bring up, obviously Delaney Walker's one that you think of as soon as you bring up the Tennessee Titans. Last year in a standard scoring league, he was getting about nine points uh, per game. In a PPR league, uh, about 15, just under 15 points per game 
So pretty solid player, one of the better tight ends uh, in the league. So, you know, this is a guy that, that's definitely got a lot of value. Mariota, I think, is going to have a lot of value as well. You know, he's going to have the run game to support him. He's going to have, you know, an improved offensive line, an improved wide receiving core. But you're still going to see him not take a ton of chances because of the fact that we're going to be a downhill running game. He's not going to be a guy like Stafford that drops back 30-plus, 40 times in a game. You know, you're not going to get a ton, but obviously Mariotti, as accurate as he is, he had some games last season where he put up a lot of fantasy points. I think the defense could help you out in spot starts. You know, we obviously have some some games against some weak offenses that I think that you could really exploit uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but one that I would really look out for is DeMarco Murray. And I know that you don't know how much you're going to use Derrick Henry. And that would really cut down on uh, DeMarco Murray's fantasy value. But I still think he's going to, even if they use Henry a good bit, I still think DeMarco Murray's going to get see a lot of touches. I still think you'll see him get up around that 20 touches a game. You know, and stay up around that margin the entire season. So I think DeMarco Murray could have a lot of value in fantasy football because I believe he'll see a lot of those. Also, I think you'll see him use a lot in the passing game because that is a big weakness for Derrick Henry and something that DeMarco Murray is actually pretty good at. So I think you'll see him in the passing game too uh, a good amount. On the next question here in the mailbag from Cody Ledoux, how do you think Marcus Mariota will fare this year with a new running core, a new wide receiver, and, pieces, and new pieces on the offensive line? Well, obviously all that's going to help him out. Well, both running backs are definitely going to help him out. Uh, the O-line is huge. The new wide receiver who I just spoke about, uh, Rashard Matthews, I think he will step in pretty much right away and uh, produce. One thing we didn't mention as far as fantasy value goes is DGB. I consider him to be somewhat of a new wide receiver because he hasn't fully stepped into his his full potential yet. I think he will. We all hope he will. Both of those those guys, if we could get them on the outsides and get uh, Kendall right in the slot where he should be, between that, a line that can actually block, and two capable downhill runners, I think Mariota is going to be well improved this year. I think Mariota, don't look for his stats to just explode. What they're going to ask for him for this year is cut down on his mistakes. You know, the fumbles, we touched on that last week. You know, cut the fumbles down. If he gets his sack total down by half, I'd expect his interceptions to go down by half. He'll be a more efficient quarterback. He may not put up bigger numbers, but he's going to definitely be helped out a lot just having those two running backs back there. As Ryan said, DeMarco Murray's fantasy value is pretty high this year. Baseball, they expect him to run a lot. And before we drafted Henry, I probably would have said the same. I think Henry's going to end up eating up some of those numbers on us. They're going to try to keep people fresh. But definitely, I expect him to have a better season. We're just we're going to pound the rock a lot. So I don't think we're going to get quite the number um, explosion that people are hoping for out of Mariota this year. I'm going to uh, agree with Glenn here. I think you said it perfectly, Glenn. Expect Mariota's n- numbers, by and large, to stay pretty similar. I think they'll go up a little bit. You know, I think his yards is gonna, are going to go up a little bit. I think he might throw a few more touchdown passes than he did last year. But I think they're going to be on that same level. But watch the turnovers go down. You know, it, this is not going to be – it's not going to throw for or 4,500 yards this year. He's not. He's not going to be that – complete change in Marcus Mariota, but I think you're going to see the fumbles go down. I think you're going to see the sack totals um, go down. I think you're going to see the interceptions go down, and he's going to play really efficient football. So, you know, if you're just like a, if you just look at a stat sheet, it's not going to look overly impressive. If you watch the film, I think you're going to see a, a brand new quarterback. And Marcus Mariota, now that it will have help across the offensive line and with the um, very much improved running game, you know he's going to be able to move the ball more efficiently. Get it, he has more weapons to get it to. Uh, it's going to help out a lot. But I think Glenn, you put that perfect. There, it's exactly what I was going to say. Moving on here, the next one in the mailbag from Javier Fuentes: Does Kevin Byard have a shot at taking over the starting free safety position from the presumed starter 
Rashad Johnson this year? Unless we have a Rashad Johnson injury, I doubt it. I do like Byard. I like what he what he brings. He's the only guy that hasn't signed yet out of the draft class, which is not really a, a worry to me. That's going to get done. It's, it's just a matter of time. I think Rashad Johnson has that thing locked down. I really like what Byard brings, but unless there's an actual injury to Johnson, I don't see him taking that spot. However, I would I would like to see him get on the field in certain packages. Um, we we could definitely use every playmaker we we have. Last year, we did not have nearly enough guys making plays. I think he can come on, make plays. I just don't see him beating out Rashad Johnson. Right now, all rookies, you know, you're going to get a lot of camp talk. All rookies look like they're, you know, future Hall of Famers. People are really going to talk all these guys up. They're trying to build their confidence within the system and within the team. I think that unless Johnson comes out and he just has nothing left in the tank and he just he looks like a bum out there, there's no way. Buyer takes his spot right away. I agree with Matt. He's going to get on the field. He's going to get plenty of chances to play. They're going to work him in there and just you know, slowly build him up, give him more control as far as what's going on in the back end, and just make a complete safety at him over time. Now, if the team starts to tank, it doesn't look good. We're obviously not going to the playoffs. I think then he gets pulled and he starts more towards the second half of the season. But at the beginning of it, unless Johnson's just got nothing, I don't think there's really an honest chance for him to start the season. That last answer there, Glenn stole my answer. This time, Matt stole my answer. I said the exact same thing. I wrote the exact same thing when I was answering this question, you know, before the show, getting ready for the show. You know, he doesn't have a shot unless we see a Johnson injury. You know, I think you put it perfect there. I like this kid. Byer, I think he's a worker. I think he's a guy that you're going to see a lot out of. And I think he's going to be the starter down the road. But I think Johnson has it locked up right now. And he's got a lot to learn from Johnson before he gets to a position where Byard is ready to start. Moving on to the next question here from Philip Perkins. Even though many people are dismissing the Titans this year, with their revamped running game, increased talent on defense, and the possibility of their wideouts actually coming into their own, what are the chances that they could be the surprise team of the year? What do you say, Matt? Without sounding completely overly optimistic, I do think that we surprise a lot of people. Uh, we just came off a three-win year, five wins in the last two years. So um, I think we're going to beat – I really could see us going about 9-7, and seven, at best maybe 10-6. and six. That's probably categorized as surprise. I don't know if it's team of the year, but, I mean, that. I hate to be too optimistic, but I, I do like the direction we're going. I think we are going to surprise a lot of people this year. How that translates into wins, I'm not sure. But, I mean, like I said, we had three wins last year, but at the same time, four or five of those games were close, close, close losses. As far as chances that we're a surprise team of the year, I don't, I'm not sure what our chances are, but I do think we are going to surprise a bunch of people this year. And Matt touched briefly on my answer, too. We had a lot of close games last year where we just couldn't finish in the fourth quarter. If they've actually fixed that, you know, we, we got a good shot, 50-50 of going, you know, 500. I think winning nine games would make us a surprise team of the year. That's a six-game increase and just one, you know, offseason. We've got a lot of potential on this team. It's just a lot of that potential are rookies right now. I would rate our playoff odds is pretty low. Our odds of closing that gap on those close games, probably 50-50. I'm a little optimistic. I try to hold that back because I don't want to be disappointed again. It's been the the pain of the franchise for the last several years that we keep having so much hope and potential, and we don't quite get there. This year feels a little bit different, but I'm still going to say 50-50 we make 500. Odds are we're a little bit lower, but if we close the gap on the close games – there's no reason we can't get to 500. To be the prize team of the year means you're making the playoffs where you're very, very close. Do I think that we're going to be able to do that? No. I really hope that we do, obviously. I'd love to see us be as successful as, as we can be. But, you know, realistically, this team moving forward is still going to have a lot of holes. You know, we and we're really building a talented team, but it's still on the building process. We're still on the path up with a lot a lot ahead of us here. You know, just you don't make a few switches like that and turn a 3 and 13 team to a 13 and 3 team. You know, there's a lot that has to go down 
in order for us to come back from where we where we have been. We need to we need to keep building. We need to keep uh, moving this direction. But no, we're not going to be the surprise team of the year. If I had to say right now, uh, we have a very tough schedule this year. You know, we we have to take on the very tough NFC North. A lot of tough teams. You know, the Jaguars are really starting to build a great team. Houston seems to be putting things together. You never know what you, you know. Andrew Luck had a bad year last year, but you can't count on them to, to keep playing terribly so you know it's not going to be easy for Tennessee to make it back and there's still a lot of improvement left to do but I, I really hope we're the surprise team but I'm saying right now I'd say no that we're not quite there yet and then from annoying Titans fan that's at annoying TF on Twitter if you could remove any one player from the team who would it be and why Matt well, uh, I had some trouble coming up with one player, and, and the, the question could probably be more direct as if we're talking about somebody that is on the team now or somebody that will be there in September. But to basically, and since we're doing running backs tonight, I'm going to go ahead and pick probably David Cobb only because he's the guy that's supposed to have so much to prove that hasn't really proved anything. I really have nothing against the guy. It's just a matter of he seems to be, with what we already have, between him and Andrews, we can't keep both of those guys. And and we may. I mean, we'll get into this later. There's just not enough, not enough footballs to go around. I think that he has a chip on his shoulder. Unfortunately, he was injured last season. He came back. He started one game, was mediocre. At the same time, Andrews wasn't very impressive either. But, I mean, with that being said, I think that David Cobb is probably the one player I would remove only because there's there's not enough room for him in the backfield. I'm going to start by saying any of us would happily trade places with any of these guys we're going to name. Uh, they're all out there living the dream that most of the people listening to this podcast wish we could be out there doing. We'd love to have just one chance to suit up out there and see if we can make it. I'm going to limit myself to guys who were on the team last year. I'm going to limit myself to guys that are in positions where there's competition. And the guy I came up with was uh, Brian Schwenke. He's, uh, he's obviously been replaced. We've got a new starter in at center. we got Andy Gaelic who filled in for him all right last offseason. If we've got a rookie to build with and we've got a veteran that we brought in ahead of you who's not an old guy, Ben Jones is in his mid-20s, so he's going to be here for a while. That kind of just takes Brian Schwenke's window out. Even if he goes on to try to be a guard, I just don't buy it. He doesn't seem to have the athleticism or the durability to be the bruising kind of guard that we're looking for with this run scheme. I think he's more so getting that shot because they know he can't be a center. And with Bell out, maybe they give him a shot at guard to see if he surprises somebody. So my my player that I would go ahead and just cut and get it over with would be uh, Brian yeah, I kind of went with the almost the exact same parameters here that Glenn did. I wanted somebody who was on the team, was on the team last year. Someone who's, you know, a name that you're familiar with. I didn't want to pick, you know, the the guy that's like the third string punter on the team. You know, I wanted to pick somebody that was more than just a camp body. So I ended up going with uh, Harry Douglas. A couple reasons here. One, if you look at the, the, the fact that we're starting to build a good right receiving core. You know, we we bring in guys like uh, Matthews. I think it's going to be a big difference. DGB is still young, up and coming in his career. We expect a lot of things from him. You have Kendall Wright, who has been, uh, you know, a big part of our offense for a while now. And, and you do have a lot of guys that can play just as good on this roster or close to as good uh, as Harry Douglas. And if you look at uh, this from a business standpoint, uh, it makes perfect sense as well. Uh, you know, Douglas, he's getting older. He has get paid over $2 million this year, and he can be cut without the team taking on any dead money. From a business standpoint, he's in that perfect window of uh, of likely to be cut. So that would, that's why I would say Harry Douglas. But we're going to move on here. That was the two-tone... Uh, uncensored mailbag if you want to hear your question on the mailbag tweet at us at two-tone uncensored on twitter get us on facebook uh two-tone uncensored or the tennessee titans uncensored page and send us in the questions every week 
we put uh, posts out to, to ask you for your questions. Comment there. Send them to us. Or you can email them to us at twotoneuncensored at gmail.com and we'll read yours live on air. We pick a few every week. So send them in and, and you have a chance to hear yours on this show. Now we're going to head on to the news segment, and Glenn is going to lead us through this part here. So take it away, Glenn. It's the reminder that nothing good happens after midnight. You hear it all the time. You hear coaches tell it to you. If you've ever played, you've heard it from them. Akeem Tlaib goes out to the nightclub in Dallas. He should probably stay out of Texas. Texas doesn't really work out well for him. And he goes out and gets himself shot in the leg. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I don't know the details of the situation. I do know some people were trying to make it sound like he uh, went out there, got himself plexiglass burst, like he shot himself in the leg. The police uh, did come out and say that he was shot. He did not shoot himself. So at least he didn't do something that stupid. But, guys, this is the season is stupid. This is the time of the year where players go out, They've got a little too much free time. You know, they, they just finished that first round of OTAs, and they want to blow off a little bit of steam. They go out midnight. They're at the club. People are drinking too much. Something stupid happens, and they get busted you know, fighting with their girlfriend. They get busted drunk driving. They get shot in the leg. It's just it's that time of year. Stop. <laughs> That's all I got to say on that. Uh, you're exactly right here, Glenn. You call it the season of stupid. It, it, every year we see stories like this stories of of guys getting into situations that they shouldn't have been in it's every single year you know we don't know exactly what happened yet we're still figuring out exactly what happened but Akeem Tlaib was in a nightclub and got shot and you know you don't know exactly what happened and what led up to that event but you do have to be smart man you have to you just won a Super Bowl you got to be careful about where you're going you know the places that you're going to be you are at Probably the most famous you've ever been in your entire career right now is as a keep to leave. You really got to be careful where you go and the, and what you're doing, the people that you're hanging around. And this just goes to show you that you are just as guilty as the people that you hang out with. So make sure that you're hanging out in a good crowd and and really that you do that and 99% of the time you're not going to get in trouble for anything anyway. I don't put a lot of thought into this kind of thing. Uh, when it's our guys, I'm extremely hard on them. But as far as worrying about another grown man out in whatever city they're in getting into trouble, I, I could care less. Like I said, if it's our guy, if it's Kenny Britt, if it's Pac-Man Jones, you know, I can't stand either of those guys. Every situation's different, but I'll say, you know, when when you hear stuff around the league and you always hear stuff around the league of somebody's doing something and, you know, if you're dumb enough to shoot yourself in the leg or – you know, whatever, whatever happened, I, I barely even read into this story. But I mean, if it's not one of our guys, I don't, I don't care about it at all. Moving on. Did either one of you guys picture in your head the scene from the rundown where the Rock was coming in to get the guys' championship rings, as so he could hold them to collect on the guys' debt? No. <laughs> Completely vague movie reference. No one got it. All right, we won't worry about it. <laughs> okay, moving on. This week, the Titans uh, waived Yannick Cujo Virgil, who's more impressive for the name Cujo than for anything he's done on the field. And they cut Nick Harwell. Both these guys are practice squad players last year that were you know, still here this year. Odds are they don't catch on with anybody else. They could be back as another practice squad player for us. Do you guys got any input on them? Yeah, just a little bit. You know, These guys were guys that uh, I think we thought were going to end up getting the axe anyways. So not very shocking here. And from what I've heard and what I've seen so far, I think it would surprise me if maybe they get on anywhere. And if they do, I don't think it would be long-term. I think they'd just be maybe filling in for injuries, being a camp body. But Nick Hartwell was a guy, is a guy that might see a little bit more of, a, uh, of detention. But really, I think that um, they have a good chance to be on uh, the Tennessee Titans practice squad, uh, just as you said, Glenn. Yeah, not much to add to that. Cujo was on the team last year. He, he filled in a few few times, but he's he's a solid player. He's nothing great. He's not horrible. But I, I could honestly see him. I don't know anything about Nick Harwell, but I could see Cujo coming back as a practice squad guy. Yeah, just for the name of nothing else, just having the Cujo running around. Okay, moving on. Kevin Patra, got a writer on uh, around the NFL and NFL.com. He actually bothered to write a story about the Titans wanting Mariota. Say it with me, Mariota. 
We've been corrected on that this week. Mariota, to improve his pocket awareness, which prompts me to ask you the question, has there ever been a second-year quarterback that the team didn't want him to improve his pocket awareness? Yeah, I read this article as well um, when you pointed it out, Glenn. Yeah, of course he needs to improve his pocket awareness, but a lot of it wasn't his fault. You know, he's playing behind the, you know, statistically the worst offensive line in the National Football League. And then look at his stats from when he was starting compared to Clipboard Jesus and uh, Mettenberger. And we saw other guys play. You know, he's he moved way better, got less sacks. You know, he did have a lot of fumbles. That was a problem, but probably had the best pocket awareness on the team and and a team that had a really terrible offensive line. So, it's, you know, it's, it just it seemed like you're not really understanding the root of the problem when I read this story. And, and of course, he needs to improve his pocket awareness. You should try to do that every single season as a quarterback, especially in the early part of your career. Yeah, I think it was a pretty dumb article to write. Obviously, they want him to improve everywhere, not just in pocket awareness. Funny thing is, on the group page, there's a guy that I call Mr. Copy and Paste, uh, <laughs> Chris Frazier. He he basically takes all these these articles and and he'll copy and paste and put it in the group. And uh, my first comment was, "Titans want to win games this year." Like, yeah, no shit. I mean, it's it's obvious. It's not worth an article. It's not worth talking about. Really, I don't I don't understand the the point of it. But I mean, obviously, the Titans want him to improve. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, he, he's done he's done really well, in my opinion, as far as everything he's been asked to do with what we have with, for him. Ryan touched on it. Our O-line has been awful. One thing with Mariota, man, he – Mariota, excuse me, Mariota, he, um, he gets the ball out quick. I mean, I've never seen – I can remember the, the Tampa, Tampa Bay game uh, specifically where he was throwing darts, and I'm talking about like one, two drop, and, and it was in the receiver's hands. He's going to get better. He's improving – all the time he's gaining weight he's gonna he's gonna be a stronger arm hopefully we get the deep ball out of him this year but uh as far as awareness goes it's gonna come in time i mean he's he's doing well for for how long he's been around and he's only gonna get better so i'm happy with him yeah this question is basically just me picking on the guy writing the bland cut and paste article that you can write about every player every season it's it's not really serious at that point i don't know why you bother to write those things other than it's just a slow news period and hey chris frazier we love you man keep keep being involved uh one last thing i've got for us here uh there's a story going around that demarco murray's really getting into the offensive lineman uh jack conklin was commenting on he's calling them out when they make mistakes he's telling them to get the right spot where they're supposed to be he's taking a very vocal role in the running game uh, if he's going to be out there barking at these guys and taking that leadership position, which with Mariota, Mariota, <laughs> you've seen him this year. You know, last year he's never too high, he's never too low. He tells him, "Don't worry about what that guy says. You know, don't don't get too upset. Don't let them make you make mistakes." It, it sounds to me like Murray's planning on being the offensive uh, leader, the vocal guy. So my question to you is, do you think that he's uh, going to become the vocal leader, or is that Walker's job? I think he is going to be a vocal leader on his team, and I love this. I absolutely love this. And not saying that he's going to take over for Walker or anything like that. I think they both can be you know, you know, vocal leaders on this offense. But I absolutely love this for a couple of reasons. You know, you look at this offensive line's very young, very young. And so you have like a, a running back come in who's a veteran in this league, uh, and it, it really gets in their face. And, and he says, you know, this is this is the way you have to play. This is the way you got to do it. And of course, we all know Demarco Murray is only two years removed from playing with the best offensive line in the National Football League. With the knowledge that he's going to bring to this offensive line, and the and the kind of leadership that we've seen him in, from him in the past, I, I love that he's coming out and he's being vocal like this with a young offensive line that I think that he could really help them, uh, you know, mature quickly and get ready quickly and, and really build into something, you know, better than what they could without him, I think. So I absolutely love this, and I think it's it's great that he's taking a more vocal role in this offense. Yeah, I agree with Ryan completely. The only thing I'll add is, man, you can never have too many vocal leaders or any kind of leader as far as uh, – on the field, in the locker room. Yeah, DeMarco, as a veteran coming in, calling out mistakes, There's that's what someone, somebody needs to do it. And I'm glad he's, as a newcomer, I'm glad he's taking that role. Uh, I'm sure that the new offensive line coach, Russ, Russ Grimm, likes that as well. 
but we, we definitely have a lot of work to cover on the line, and I'm glad that DeMarco's in there calling out names. That's what we got to do. Yeah, you, you need some fire back there. You know, you, you can't make steel without heat. He's going to put that heat on those young guys. He's seen the best offensive line of the league. He's run behind him. We saw the numbers he put up. He also saw a terrible offensive line last year with Philly, so he knows what he's getting into if he doesn't speak up and be that leader and tell these guys exactly what he expects of them and help them understand what it means to be an offensive lineman in the NFL. And on that note, let's get down to uh, covering the running backs. Take it away, Ryan. All right, great part there by Glenn uh, with the news segment. We're going to talk about the running backs now heading into our position breakdowns. Because I wanted to ask you before we start looking at the running backs that we have now, take a look back at the running backs we had last year. So what do you think about this group last year? To start off, what we had last year simply was not up to par. Uh, We had Bishop Sankey, who's been a huge bust as far as he was the first first running back taken in his class. Dexter McCluster, who hasn't performed to what we need. David Cobb injured. Antonio Andrews had his chance. Mediocre at best. Unimpressive is the best way to describe our, our run game. Now, obviously, again, we, we beat on it every single chance we get. The O-line was horrible. That being said, I don't think with a great line, any of those running backs go over you know 1,200 yards. We, I'm, I'm not sure the last time we had a 100-yard rusher or who it was. and I don't even it, – it would be depressing to go back and look at that. We need DeMarco Murray. We need Derrick Henry. And I'm sure we'll get into it here in a few minutes. But as far as who else is going to be on the team this year, we need everybody to contribute. And last year we just didn't have the pieces. And hopefully, hopefully we're working towards some uh, progress this year to get everybody going. Last year was exactly what I thought it was going to be going into the season. We had a terrible offensive line. I uh, couldn't stand that they didn't do anything about that in the offseason. Like Matt said, we beat the hell out of this line a lot. Hopefully it makes them better this year. You know, just just us beating them up helps them, you know, become better players. Going into the season last year, other than uh, Sankey and McCluster, I was kind of curious as to what we were doing with our roster. We had seven tight ends, and we had a whole bunch of fullbacks that were back there pretending to be running backs. We had a very slow group. Even uh, McCluster, you know, he, he's a little guy at five foot eight, but he ran almost a four six forty. So that's still not blazing fast. You, you got a five foot eight guy who should be your, you know, really quick scat back guy, and he's not that fast. He couldn't really get free. He's a great return man, but that's kind of all he is. Bishop Sankey, Matt touched on it. He's been a big disappointment. I don't know what we really expected from him in the first place, though. He's a 5'9", 209 guy. He puts up really good bench press. He runs about a 4 540. He can't run through anybody. He's not powerful. He's not explosive. He's not shifty. So you had a whole bunch of guys who were, you know, six foot tall, just, okay, 5'11", 225 pounds, run a 4840, running behind just a terrible offensive line. I don't know what going into last season, uh, Wiz and... Webster thought they were going to get out of that running game. Best running back you got is your rookie quarterback. There was just there was no chance for that running group last year. A lot of these guys could be contributors in a rotation, which is what we expect this year. But going into last season, we got what I thought we were going to get. There was no surprise, no, nothing to be afraid of. None of these guys were going to run away from you. They weren't going to run over you because they just couldn't get through the line. We we just we didn't have much chance last year, and going into this season, I think we all feel a lot better about it. Uh, I agree with with what you guys both said here. We had the perfect storm of of unimpressive backs running behind an unimpressive offensive line, and it really showed. And and what we had, you know, the output there. Glenn put it really good there on that last part where he said that best runner was our quarterback. It's not wrong. I think there's a couple of those guys that previous organizations uh, were impressed with, thought would be something more than they were, which we saw they really weren't. You know, talking about guys like Bishop Sankey, you know, Cobb still really hasn't gotten to play enough yet to really for me to write him off. Uh, but we've seen a decent amount from Sankey, and it's just it's not been great. You know, now Titans bring in two guys. That one, not only are they impressive running backs that uh, you know are talent-wise uh, much better than what we had, but also really bring about uh, a new face, a new image 
a new you know look for Tennessee football, getting back to the downhill running game. Uh, and we're going to get into this in just a second. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads, and we'll get right back to the show. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Pinecast and Stitcher. All right, we're back with the Two Tone Uncensored podcast. Glenn and Matt, we're talking about this team here that not only got two new running backs that are, are both, I think we'd all agree, are more talented than all of the backs that we had last year, but also really give us a new identity. So, what do you think about the two guys and DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, and and what do you think about the new identity moving forward? Huge upgrade. I have injury concerns with DeMarco Murray. We can go back to 2011 when his rookie season, he starts off missing the first two preseason games with a hamstring. He misses the last three games of the season placed on the IR with a right ankle injury. 2012 moving forward, another hamstring pull. 2013 sprained his MCL, missed two games. Uh, his Dallas Cowboys season, where he did so well, he actually did not miss any games, but he did, however, require a hand surgery, but, but didn't miss any time. So, I mean, that speaks volumes right there. Uh, last year, only missed one game in week three, but again, a hamstring injury. You know, he wasn't called on to be the workhorse in Philadelphia, although he was their starter. We definitely need to split the time between these these guys and make sure that we don't work him into the ground because obviously he hasn't been able to stay healthy his, through his career. That being said, when you look at Derrick Henry, last year at Alabama put over 2,200 yards on the ground. In one game, Lane Kiffin chose to run him 46 times for over 270 yards. Both of those guys have been worked hard these last few years. Uh, the good thing about Derrick Henry, though, is he basically came on, I mean, He's played the last two, three seasons at Alabama, but he was never the workhorse until last season. I mean, they, they definitely ran him into the ground. But he, he still, you know, he still looks good, uh, hasn't had many injuries. But if we can come up with a good rotation between these two and even get some of the guys that we already have, I know we'll get into that in a minute, who's going to be on the roster. But if we can uh, come up with a nice mixture, I think we're definitely going to succeed in the run game. This has got to be one of the biggest turnarounds of a backfield as far as how you look at it. You know, the difference from year to year, there's just it's diametrically opposite. We, we, we've gone from a whole bunch of 5'11", 225-pound, 4'8", guys, to having a running back who's six foot, he's 213 pounds, and people consider him to be kind of the big bruiser kind of guy, except for he runs a 4'440". And we've actually got some speed back there on a the guy who's got a little bit of mass to him. I've never really considered Murray to be just an overpowering back. Uh, part of that being that I was on campus to watch Adrian Peterson, so I saw what a real power back looks like. But I've always thought Murray was a really good straight-line guy. He, he'll get through your arm tackles. He, he makes really agile plays. I think sometimes the reason he gets hurt is he tries to be a little too nifty with some of his moves. Matt read off his list of injuries, and they're, you know, they're hamstrings, they're sprains, and they're from him making moves as opposed to just powering through the line. Most of his injuries aren't contact-related. They're uh, avoiding the contact-related. So I, I'm not too worried about him staying healthy this year because of the system that we tend to use, the way we plan on running downhill at people. It's going to get him through that first layer without having to make a whole bunch of bouncing uh, moving around. As far as Derrick Henry goes, he's, he's a step slower. A lot of people wanted to compare him to Eddie George coming out of college, and he looks the part. He's a, he's, he's a full step slower than Eddie George was. He looks like a linebacker running back there, 
he kind of moves like a linebacker. He's uh, definitely a straight line guy, like I just mentioned with DeMarco Murray, except for he's a lot bigger. He's got that long stride going on. He's completely different from the power backs that we have right now, which are a bunch of fullbacks out there plodding along. And last year we were the epitome of three yards in a cloud of dust. This guy falls forward, he gains three yards. So I'm a lot happier with the expectation that we have going on. And we'll talk a little bit more about the guys as we go on through the rest of this segment. But having Murray and Henry back there as your one-two punch, it moved the whole rest of the group back where they belong, which is third guy, rotation guy. And if you're not just incredibly excited about what could happen with this running game this year compared to where we were last year, I don't know what you want to happen because you couldn't ask for a better offseason for a team that wants to run the football. Absolutely, Glenn. You said uh, just a complete change from one year to the next. And it, it comes. It starts with DeMarco Murray going and getting him. And, you know, he comes off of a down year, but he was really not used the right way. What he was doing when he was successful with Dallas is what we want him to do in Tennessee. So a lot of that, you know, I'm not too worried about. I'm pretty excited for him to be on the roster. He's a guy that we're already talking about has, you know, physical guy, loves to work, loves to have been a vocal leader on this team. I, I like that he has great hands out of the backfield. I think it's one of the most understated part of his game. He moves very well. He's, I like him. He's gonna be. He's gonna fit exactly what we want to do. And then we get to the draft. It was a surprise to all three of us. And at first, I was very against it um, getting Henry, even though I've always liked Henry. I just because of think it was the right move for us to make. There was other more pressing needs in my eyes. But the more you look at it, the more it does make sense. And, and Matt kind of talked about this. Is you see DeMarco Murray over the last few years have some injuries. And he talked about that. Derrick Henry with the amount, the workload that he had his senior year at Alabama. Led the nation in carries. He had over 90 carries in the last two regular season games alone. So now you're put in a situation where you can use them both without overusing one of them, uh, you know, and, and really just drying them out. You can have two guys that you can split it up between the two of them and stick to a really downhill running game that you're going to have a one-two punch that's almost the same, but no one's getting overused. No one's getting worn out. But if you do have a situation where one of them does go down, you're not immediately completely lost. You can still run exactly the way you want to run the ball so the more you think about it, the more this pick makes perfect sense. We're going to talk about some other guys here, and I wanted to ask you guys. You know, we've kind of talked about this before, but you know, we have a handful of backs back there. You're really looking at it as on the fence guys that might not be able to make the team at the running back position. Yeah, I'd put everybody in that category as on the fence. I would have to say, just from what I've read this off season, I know that Coach Malarkey put. Dexter McCluster as a team captain last season. I see his roster spot safe. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I've come to terms, I guess, and I've accepted it. That being said, obviously you have Murray and Henry as the one, two. Let's just say for argument's sake that Dexter McCluster is on the roster, although I don't necessarily agree with keeping him there. I'd say that he's Good in situations. Obviously, you know, we, we signed him two years ago to a three-year deal, and, and the year before he was a, a Pro Bowl kick returner. That means he has great vision. He had a couple flashes last year, not much, but I'll say that, you know, if we put him in the right spot, in the slot maybe, just disguise something and, and get him out in the open, I mean, he can make some plays. Just He's not an every-down guy, obviously. He's different from every other running back that we have. He's he's a lot smaller than every other running back on our roster. That's the only reason why I think there's some possibility of value for him on this team. And, you know, earlier I, I touched on David Cobb being the odd man out. To me, him and Andrews, I mean, he's 5'11", 229. Andrews is 5'10", 225. You know, basically the same size. Andrews has a, a way more impressive college career and I was actually surprised to read this. I didn't know this. But in 2012, 3,100 all-purpose yards. It's the second highest single season total in history only to Barry Sanders. And, I mean, he played at Western Kentucky, which isn't that impressive as far as competition. But still, I mean, that's those are some serious numbers. Now, we saw what he could do last year. I was not impressed. He was 
solid. Uh, nothing great. I wouldn't even call him good. He was average. But at the same time, he didn't have many injuries. And But when he came back, he finished the year with uh, 146 yards on 52 carries. And, and if I had to pick between one of those two, I'd probably lean towards Andrews. And then, you know, obviously we have Bishop Stanky and uh, David Flewellen, who I'm not even going to mention because he, he doesn't have a shot. But if Stanky makes the team this year, I would be shocked. In my opinion, I think McCluster's safe. Sankey's really going to have to turn some heads in camp to even make this team. I, I don't see it happening, but my roster would probably consist of, I mean, we're keeping Fowler, obviously. I haven't even mentioned him, the fullback. He's safe. How many running backs can we have? I mean, we obviously got Murray, Henry. Let's just say McCluster's the third, just for argument's sake. And if we keep another one, not including Fowler, I mean, we, we have too many guys in this backfield. I'd say Andrews keeps the job over Cobb and probably beats out Sankey as well. Sankey's been such a disappointment. He's really going to have to do something to uh, make this team. Yeah, for me, the thing I was surprised about, just like you, Matt, was when I was doing the research on these guys and looking back at their college careers, I was also surprised that Tony Andrews had such a big career when David Cobb is the guy that I remember hearing all the hype about coming out of college. He never did impress me. I didn't expect much from him. That was maybe, maybe it's just me doubting those guys. But Sankey coming out of college, Cobb coming out of college, uh, when we drafted him, I didn't have any expectations for the guys. I, I thought Sankey was a little too small. He had good speed, but he's not explosive. He's not powerful. He's not shifty. He just he can't. Uh, you see guys run him down from behind, and for a guy with his flat line speed, he should be able to outrun somebody. David Cobb, he's a power back, but he's he runs a four eight. We've already got Andrews, who runs a 4.8. we got David Fluellen, who you didn't want to talk about, but I'm going to say he's the same guy again. He runs a 4.72, so he's a step faster. It doesn't matter. He's, just, he's got nothing for you. you know, all, all these guys are nice backup backs. I agree that McCluster, he's safe because he has that special teams. He can do something else that none of these other guys could do. Any of these other guys you put back to the return of the ball, you're not getting anything out of them. Uh, and we've had some nightmares with running backs returning balls and fumbling into the end zone to start games. You know, we, we've all lived through that. I would say the roster, we keep Fowler around. We picked him way too high. That's a uh, Rustin Webster thing. That's just what he does or did. Fowler, he, he could be a really good fullback for us in time. You know, He could be a 99 on Madden this year, which means absolutely nothing because he's still a fullback. Uh, him blocking in front of a guy like Henry, in front of a guy like Murray, that's more impressive. If he ends up picking up the Lorenzo Neal mentality and just goes out there just to crush people, that could be awesome for us. I think Fowler was probably the most impressive running back we had last year, and he got hurt and he missed most of the season. So I don't see David Cobb getting cut just because he's only had one year. A lot of pros seem to think a lot of him. And Tony Andrews has got that spirit. He runs hard. He really wants to be the guy. Maybe he makes the squad. You just like Matt said, how many guys can you keep? We're gonna have Murray, we're gonna have Henry. After that, you know, when your one two punch is about as much as you could ever hope to ask for. You keep the fullback to open some holes and for, you know, big sets in the goal line. You keep McCluster around just for special teams. that's four backs when you're so clearly defined at who your one and your two guy are. Cobb and Andrews, you know, flew well and gone. But Cobb and Andrews, both those guys could have a hard time making the team this year, depending on how the competition works out at other positions. If one of them stays, I think I'd rather see Andrews stay just because of the heart I saw out of that guy. The production wasn't there, but he really wants to be in the NFL. He really wants to work hard for it. I'm not taking anything from Cobb. I just didn't get a chance to see it. So if I had to pick, I'd go with Andrews. If your name is not Murray or Henry or Fowler, really, Look out because your job's not guaranteed. And I agree with both of you that I think that McCluster's probably going to stay, but I would even say that McCluster, his job's definitely not guaranteed. He does bring you the special teams, obviously, so that gives him a better chance and also a good option on third down. But I still wouldn't say it's a guarantee that he makes the team, although I would be a little bit surprised if he didn't. Blue Ellen, just like you guys said, is gone. I agree with that. Uh, and I think it comes down between Cobb and Andrews here. And I'm going to agree, I like Andrews just a little bit better. And I think that we saw him be productive. We saw, or saw him be more productive out of the two of them last year. 
you know, you kind of saw the heart with Andrews. You saw him battle through what was a really bad offensive line and was average. Like, you know, he was uh, out of a backfield that was all duds. He was at least workable. So, you know, you'd like to see Andrews stay on. Next question here, last thing I want to ask you is a question that everybody's been talking about. Think we'll end up seeing Henry take over as the main running back before the end of the season? A lot of people predict that, but I'll stick to it. what we said earlier as far as uh, Bayard taking Johnson's spot. Unless there's an injury, no, I don't see it happening. Murray's proven back. If he stays healthy, I believe he will do well. And, I mean, they're, they're going to help each other. I don't think I don't think it's about who overtakes the job. If, hell, if they both can put up a 1,000-yard seasons, you won't hear anyone complain about who's starting. I think as long as they complement each other and they work hard. And the only way I see Henry taking the, the solid starting spot is if Murray gets hurt. Other than that, I think they're a great complement of each other. I agree. How do, you, how do you sit down and establish pros, led the league in rushing? He's obviously taken charge with the offensive line. We talked about that right off the bat. He's out there. He's he's being a leader. He's a proven productive back. He's back in a system that should work for him. If these young guys, which we do have the youngest offensive line in the league, so let's not act like these guys are pro bowlers just yet. But if these guys can get it together, can do their job for him, there's no reason that you don't expect him to put up a thousand yards. And honestly, Murray, I just I don't see how you could put him down. Uh, to put Henry in there as your full-time guy when Murray has a complete back. He does everything you want. So like Matt said, unless he gets hurt, where's the room for Henry to take over? Absolutely. Barring injury, Murray's going to be your starter. That's, I agree with that. I, I think that you know, Henry obviously I think adds a lot to this backfield. I'm excited to see him run. But you know, Murray, as Glenn pointed out, this guy's two years removed from being uh, the most productive running back in the entire league. You know, so I think that you're going to see him play more, rightfully so, and he's going to be the better back. But, I, you know, I'm excited to see Henry, obviously. I just don't think it's quite there yet. But that's just about all the time we have for the show, folks. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. Find the show at twotone.pinecast.co. Or we are now on the Stitcher app. You can download on Google Play or the Apple Store. Search for Stitcher. You can find us on there so you can listen to us on any of your mobile devices. As always, we broadcast every Wednesday, so be sure to tune in next week for episode four it will be now. Big thanks to my co-hosts, Matt and Glenn. Without them, there is no show, obviously. Uh, And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show twotone.pinecast.co or by downloading the Stitcher app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like it on Facebook.